Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Quranic Reflections and uh, as usual let us begin with the verse for today. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Iqra bismi rabbikal ladhi khalaq. Khalaqal insana min alaq. Iqra wa rabbukal akram. Alladhi allama bilqalam. This, as you all know, is the first revelation that we've had in the Qur'an. And it is from Surah Al-Alaq, which is chapter 96, verses 1 to 5. And these are probably verses that you read often and that you must have heard about so many times because of the detailed incident that took place in 1400 years ago, approximately over 1400 years ago in the cave of Hira. So when you read these verses, it brings to mind that this particular event that took place in this dry and desolate desert uh, in this particular part of Arabia that was shrouded in ignorance and fighting between themselves and just complete jahiliyyah and complete darkness. This is a single event, this amazing event, very pro- profound, where Jibreel came to the Prophet Muhammad in that cave while he was all alone. That pretty much changed the course of the whole of human history. And in fact, we could probably say that it changed the fate of mankind. I mean, I would say that it changed the fate of mankind. And the reason for changing the fate of mankind is because Finally, the next prophet was here. The final prophet actually was here. The Rahmatulil Alameen that the world had been waiting for for over 500 and something years. Now, what's really interesting when we look at these verses, let me just translate the verse for you. Just so I wanted to mention the backdrop so you understand, you know, in what kind of a circumstance, what kind of a scenario that these words are being revealed in. And this is, remember, this is the first ever revelation to the Prophet ﷺ. It's the first message. Now, what would you expect to be in a first message? You know, what are the most important aspects of Islam? What do you expect that the first words would contain? Well, let us see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, sent as the first words. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Read in the name of your Lord who has created, created basically all that exists. He has created man from a clot of congealed blood. Read, and your Lord is the most generous, who has taught man by the pen. He has taught man that which he did not know. Now imagine, this is the Prophet ﷺ, he doesn't know how to read or write. And suddenly, he's never had an experience like this before. Right? He's had some dreams, but suddenly he sees this angel in front of him, this stranger, and he's told to read in the name of your Lord who has created everything. That's the first description. He has created man from a clot to show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, I mean, giving an example of one of the most important things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created in this world, which is, you know, the human being. And then again, read again, read again, read. So, and your Lord is the most generous. Your Lord is the most benevolent, meaning he's there to help you and assist you. And he has, who has taught man by the pen. The pen is mentioned right at the beginning. And he has taught man that which he did not know. 
So now let us look at this. This event and these words, they essentially, one of the big points in here, one of the main points in here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the pen. He has taught man by the pen. The pen. So there's a highlighting of the pen and the tablet because that is what laid the foundation of knowledge, scholarship and civilization. It's the pen generally what does that. You know when you have some of the early civilizations that we discuss like the Greek civilizations, you've got so much writing from that time because it's through writing that you can actually preserve something accurately. Uh, many, many traditions, most traditions maybe were oral traditions. I mean, even today there's many oral traditions. And the problem with oral traditions is that it's very difficult to maintain accuracy, right? And maintain uh, uh, complete accuracy of the information and, uh, and, and then keep it going. I think the only civilization that's been able to do that is the Islamic civilization again, that with the Prophet hadith initially, you know, it was all oral. I mean, there were some writings, clearly some people did write it, but then they had to invent a completely new system of cross-examination, ascertainment and disparagement uh, to keep the knowledge accurate, right? The Quran, of course, you know, was written straight away, right? The Quran was written straight away. So you see that in the past that if there are traditions and civilizations that wrote it down, then you got a more accurate you got more accurate history right from them and that's why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this that the foundation of knowledge and scholarship and civilization is the pen and the tablet essentially you know what you write on subhanallah you know had had that not been the case then we we may have not been the way we are today you know we may not have had the same kind of guidance that we had today but this is what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted and this particularly was around the 6th of august the 610 ce um, or 579 CE, depending on which version you go with, in the Hira cave in Mecca. And this pretty much is the earliest piece of revelation, first installment to the Prophet wasallam, and what an installment. And this shows that our the, the new faith, the, the Islam, was going to be ex, uh, completely linked, you know, without being able to be separated with the pen and knowledge. Now, the most important thing here is that it was an unlettered prophet, an, a prophet, an Nabi al-Ummi, who was blessed with this first divine revelation in this lonely cave. He doesn't read, you know, he doesn't know how to read and he's being told to read. And he's, give, he's been granted a whole charter for mankind, you know, from this. He's been granted a very, very important message for mankind. And he doesn't know how to read, read or write. And this is probably the most unprecedented history, uh, unprecedented, uh, unprecedented event in history, rather, right? That you've got somebody who, an unlettered person, among a throng of illiterate people, actually, that brings about a revolution, and he's told to read first, right? And uh, subhanAllah, after nearly 600 years of nothing, and it starts off with read, recite. Not to worship Allah. That's not the first discussion. The first thing was not believe in Allah or uh, consider Allah to be one or you're a prophet. But more, it was read. That's the interesting part here. 
an unlettered person is blessed with a revelation and directed to recite. So implicit in this message, this is important, implicit in this message, what is this to us? I mean, this is an event that the Prophet ﷺ went through, the Qur'an has revealed and related and um, basically kept in memory until today and forever, really. What is in there for us? So implicit in this message for us is that his community would also be a community that will spread knowledge far and wide and it will essentially through their writing, through their learning, through their knowledge, they will be characterized by knowledge, reason, wisdom and a constructive approach and all-round progress. We're told to be enterprising through our knowledge. And essentially, the Prophet ﷺ is being told through this, you're going to put an end to ignorance, darkness, barbarism and error. Subhanallah. However, what is really, really important is that, that this knowledge is linked to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Showing that knowledge only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you recite, Iqra' bismi rabbik, when you recite, recite in the name of your Lord. Why do you say recite in the name of your Lord? Does that mean just what? Say Bismillah before you read? No, not just say Bismillah before you read. Not just start in the name of your Lord. But you need to read and your knowledge needs to be sanctioned by what your Lord is pleased with. So there's a number of things that I mentioned here based on the compound that we have here. So man is reminded here that knowledge should be permeated with God consciousness, with taqwa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's bestowed the knowledge, everything owes its existence to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, it's only under the divine guidance can knowledge remain on the right track and prosper. Right? In a way that it doesn't lead to the wrong. Look, there's a lot of other bodies of knowledge out there. Right? There's lots of other learning. Universities are filled with them that are non-sacred. That really are non-sacred. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are actually a waste of time. Right? Some of them contribute to civilization. Uh, however, they're devoid of goodness sometimes. Some of them. Some of them. Some of them are, mashallah, for the benefit of mankind. But others, they're just a lot of waste of time and a redundancy. I mean, they could have people doing other things. But a lot of them are devoid of any connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what basically takes them off track in many cases. While the knowledge might be good, but the people who are involved in it, it doesn't help them. It doesn't assist them to see what the real truth is of this world. So a massively radical message of the day and something that would have been considered to be totally inconceivable in that time and age, in that pre-Islamic world. I mean, if all the intellectuals of that day, you know, were asked to guess that, look, there's going to be a new revelation that's going to come, right? What would you think would be the first revelation? They would never have anticipated that it would be about writing or it would be about reading, that it would be about uh, knowledge, right? That, that would just, you know, that just sounds so far-fetched and unknown, actually, a concept unknown, uh, to the illiterate Arabs of the time. You know, there were very, very few people who knew that. However, um, mashallah, the, this verse, while it covers every single aspect of knowledge, right, and modes of acquiring it, like it doesn't tell you how exactly to acquire it or only um, specifies that you must do it this way or that way, or only learn this or that. It basically leaves that open. And uh, it's saying that, you know, you can use your mental faculties and, it's, and, and develop your intellectual heritage. However, in Islam, knowledge cannot be divorced from faith, right? We, 
uh, Islam makes it so amazing that anytime you study something that just seems to be secular even, it makes it sacred because of the purpose for which it's going to be studied. Medicine can become sacred. Engineering to a certain degree can become sacred, right? Likewise, many other uh, things, psychology or whatever the case is, it can be sacred depending on the intention that it's been done for, to assist people, to help people, to understand humanity, to understand the self better, then it can become sacred to a certain degree. That mean, that's why no true, no true Muslim should be able to disregard knowledge at all, that they don't learn anything. Right? Muslims need to prosper in knowledge, in terms of education, in terms of studies. Right? Because at the end of the day, it's without that people are going to be misled. And humans, that is how they're misled. They're misled uh, due to ignorance. There's been scholars who've said, you know, his, uh, scholars of history who've basically, it's like Imam Dhabi has mentioned that if there's one malady and watch, uh, one uh, crisis in the Ummah that it's always gone through and where the weakness has come in from is ignorance, right? Ignorance of their faith in particular, right? So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, tells us to study knowledge. However, not all knowledge is sanctioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forbid such knowledge as uh, that which would create mutual hostility, um, that would create wars, that would contribute to wars, that would contribute to destruction, pillage, and uh, basically doing things just purely for material gains, uh, selfishness, and so on and so forth. Now remember in Makkah, only a few, there were a few scribes, there were only a few people that knew how to write and read. And uh, they had heard the reference. In fact, if, uh, according to Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, he says that if you look in old Jahili poetry, you hardly ever see reference to the pen. So the pen in Arabia was actually not a very important aspect. I mean, for us, I mean, we have, mashallah, pens everywhere. You know, we have pens, we have virtual pens, we have all sorts of pens. And writing is just like, mashallah, everybody writes. But you have to understand where this initially came down. Right, where there was actually nothing, not even the pre-Jahiliya poetry would mention pens. Pen, a pen was not important because nobody knew how to write except very, very few people. Right? Uh, they just relied on their oral tradition. The other thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kind of implies in here and tells us is that knowledge is inexhaustible. Right? You can't attain all knowledge. Right? Um, because uh, Allah says, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching you that which you did not know. Now there's a lot of things that we don't know, right? So there's multiple things, there's infinite things that we don't know. That means knowledge can encompass multiple things and infinite things. Of course, a human can never have that kind of knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obviously knowledge of everything. So how does this relate to each one of us? Well, mashallah, there's some among us, right, who have taken the time off uh, from a young age if their parents had prepared them and they went to study, they were sent to study as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَوْلَا نَفَرَ مِن كُلِّ فِرْقَةٍ مِنْهُمْ طَائِفَةٌ لِيَتَفَقَّهُ فِي الدِّينِ وَلِيُنْذِرُوا قَوْمَهُمْ إِذَا رَجَعُهُ إِلَيْهِمْ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَحْذَرُونَ Right, so they, they, were, uh, they, they were encouraged to go and study and they studied. And then there's other people who, mashallah, when they're older, they've started to study. And they've done an intense form of study. Now what I'm going to tell you is that for everybody here, you're sitting here today and listening to this is a method of study. Right? However, our study needs to be more focused and it needs to be a bit more targeted and it needs to be a bit more substantial. I mean, lectures, right? Lectures, they're generally inspirational, right? They provide a bit of knowledge, but they're mostly inspirational and they're more encouraging. 
We need to go beyond that. We need to go beyond that and every single individual. I mean, everybody can't become a full scholar, right? Whatever scholar means, you know, scholar means that you have a certain amount of knowledge, like you've accomplished a certain amount of knowledge and you have ijazat and you have authorizations, licensing uh, to be able to say that, okay, you've accomplished yourself in this science and this science and this science. And you need a number of those to be considered a Muslim scholar. However, Regarding our this world and the hereafter, the sacred knowledge, everybody needs to develop themselves in that regard because we will just become enriched. Our civilization will become better and our uh, person, our human being, uh, our, our own selves will enhance themselves by knowledge. The more people in a family that know about religion and about the Quran and the Sunnah and the Fiqh and the Aqeedah and the history and everything like that, that, that family is just a much better, much more aware family. They're prone to less problems. They're prone to less jahiliya. Jahiliya is rife, right? Jahiliya, unfortunately, is rife. And the only way to combat that is through knowledge because that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because remember, the Quran came down as the first revelation, Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq, came down in the time of jahiliya. That was characterized by ignorance and it's to remove that, it's to remove that darkness, right? So that's why what we would say is that go and learn something and on a regular basis learn something find the the circles of hadith and tafsir classes fiqh classes aqidah classes and mashallah now we have absolutely no excuse because things are available online even if locally nothing is being disseminated the best thing obviously is to join a formal class right where you have to uh, go in and uh, be there at certain times and there's an examination and there's supervision those are always the best because we work with more discipline humans work with more discipline however if that's not available or it doesn't suit your time then there's the on-demand classes like we have on Rayyan Institute that's essentially what Rayyan Institute was um, uh, created for and go and check it out rayyaninstitute.com I mean go and learn something and take your whole life you know take the whole life take one course a week take one course a month but go and sign up and go and study something. Take a book and study them, right? But the main thing is that we need to read and we need to learn and we need to recite and we need to educate one, one another so that we can have a more prosperous society. Exactly how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned as being in, as in the first revelation. Jazakallah khair. Please remember us in your du'as. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. And uh, till the next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.